You are listening to Include This Podcast, a show about the untold stories of people of color and underrepresented groups in the entertainment industry and beyond. I am your host, Cristina Nieves. Today on the podcast, we have actor and playwright Juan Villa. Juan is a very close and wonderful personal friend of mine. I first saw Juan Villa in a one-man show called Empanada for a Dream in 2012. It was part of a solo show festival happening in Chicago. And uh, I, I didn't really know him super well at the time. But I remember thinking, this dude has something really special here in this show. And good for him. I could tell that it was personal and new and exciting what he was doing. And I was so inspired by it. Since 2012, the show has gone on to enjoy successful runs in Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles. And it's published, okay? So that's how you know you're really fancy when your play is published. Empanada for a Dream is about Juan's experience as a little boy growing up on the Lower East Side. It deals with family and food and culture. It's hilarious and poetic and at times pretty dark. So on the podcast today, we are lucky enough to hear an excerpt of Empanada for a Dream, adapted for radio. After the piece, we'll hear from Juan Villa himself about the process of writing the show and any advice he has for aspiring writers out there. Okay, do your thing, Juan. My uncles introduced Coke to this neighborhood. Then it took a life of its own. My blood has caused so much pain and death in this neighborhood. Sometimes it feels like it's my own fault. The crazy part is that no one in this neighborhood's come after me. Not yet. Maybe they're scared. My uncles have murdered a lot of people. They've also helped a lot of people too. They were like fathers to me during a time when I didn't have one since my mom kicked my pops out for being a drunk. No, they never laid a hand on me. Nah, it was the opposite. They wanted me to live life. It was my birthday. I was turning 11 years old and my uncles, my uncles, they loved to splurge on me. But my mom, my mom, she wasn't a fan of it. No lo trates así, como un king, como un rey, como un americano, thinking he doesn't have to work for anything. When you do not work hard, Dios te va a castigar. That was my mom. That was her go-to. That God is going to punish you, meaning me. Somehow pushing me to believe that I could never get what I dream of having. That hard work gets you closer, but... It's never enough. So, my uncle, my tío, I can't remember which uncle it was. Tío Luis. Luis. Tío Álvaro. Álvaro. Ah, 
Álvaro. He would be like, Hey, Juanito, congratulations. It's your birthday. What do you want? I'm going to get it for you because when I was a little boy, yo no tenía nada pero el culo pelado. I'm going to give you anything you want. Wow, really? No one ever asked me what I really wanted, so I said, McDonald's! Yeah, that's what I said. This is back in the day when there was one McDonald's within a mile radius of where I lived in the Lower East Side. One. So we go to McDonald's on 1st Avenue and 6th Street, and I am jumping for joy, and my uncle scoops me up and puts me on his shoulders. And my mom is pissed. Now, my birthday is April 17, which is right around when taxes are due. So McDonald's has all these tax specials. 39 cents hamburgers, 49 cents cheeseburgers. That's when we walked in. Now, this is back in the day when I could eat and eat and eat. I could throw down with the best of them, Kabayashi style. It became mythological. It made no sense how I could eat so much and stay so skinny that rumors went around the whole neighborhood that I had a tapeworm twice my size in my stomach. I started to believe it so much that I was afraid to take a dump because I thought this was going to be the day where a 10-foot tapeworm would come out of my stomach and through my culito and eat my whole family and crush my building and destroy the United States of America. So, it's my birthday, and we're at McDonald's. My uncle says, Okay, what do you want? Um... Hey, hey, hey. Don't be ashamed. It's your birthday. Dream big. I would look at my mom and she sighs. I look at my uncle and he smiles. And I belt out four. And my uncle leans back, curving the side of his lips, bobbing his head side to side, all Robert De Niro-like. And he shares four. See. Si. Okay. Four. Cheeseburgers with no rice onion thingies. Okay, four cheeseburgers with no rice onion thingies. So I get them four cheeseburgers with no rice onion thingies, and I chomp them down real fast. Diablo, Juanito! Pero you ate them real fast, like a big, strong man. You want more? Um... No! No le compre más! Ligia, Ligia, por favor. He's a little boy. It's his birthday. Juanito, you want more? Si. Okay, okay. How many do you want? Four. Okay. Four cheeseburgers, no rice onion thingies. So I get them four cheeseburgers with no rice onion thingies, and I chomp them down real fast, bringing my total up to eight. And I'm feeling good. I'm smiling like I'm on top of a Yankee championship parade float. Wow! You still hungry? Um... No! No le compre más. He's already eaten enough. Ligia, Ligia, por favor. Why are you talking so loud? Juanito, 
You still hungry? Now, I didn't know how to answer that question because I've never had the opportunity to eat without a limit on price. This was my opportunity to eat with no limit, no care. So I said, four more. And there was a gasp all around me inside that restaurant. I didn't know anybody was paying attention to me. No. Ay, Papa Dios, ayúdame. Now that makes me feel real bad. Why she got to be asking God for help? Can't she just handle this on her own? I'm eating. I'm not out there messing around, failing in school, getting girls pregnant. I know I'm 11 years old, but trust me, in my neighborhood, it happens. Four more. Por favor. Hey, hey, I'm lucky they're on sale. <laughs> no. No le compre más. He's going to get sick, and you're not the one that's going to take care of him. Ma. No. Dios te va a castigar. Ligia, por favor. This is my birthday gift to him. Four more. I then tug his silk rayon pants. I know, I know. Four more cheeseburgers. No rice onion thingies. So I get them four cheeseburgers with no rice and thingies, and I chomp them down real fast, bringing my total up to 12. I'm barely able to get the last one in, and I feel like a king. So we walk home, and I am waddling with a smile. My uncle was bobbing with a smile, and my mom is grimacing all the way home, not happy that I got what I wanted. So we get home, and within 40 minutes, I'm in pain. <laughs> my stomach is killing me. It feels like I'm being possessed by a demon. No, seriously, people, I was doing the whole gremlins in sunlight, writhing in pain act. So I do what any 11-year-old would do, and I... Mommy! <laughs> Didn't I tell you? Eh? Didn't I tell you that you were going to get sick and that God was going to punish you? Pero mommy. Pero mommy. Go call your uncle so he can take you to the hospital because we do not have money. No, 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 tenemos dinero para esa pendejada. Pero mommy, ayúdame. Pero mommy, ayúdame. You don't listen to me. I am your mother. I give you clothes, food, a bed to sleep in. Pero mommy, I'm sorry. Pero mommy, I'm sorry. <laughs> you want to feel better? Okay. I'm going to give you a drink that we would have in Colombia whenever we had a stomachache. But you cannot smell it and you cannot ask any questions. So, she goes to consult with the rest of my family. A few minutes later, she comes right back and I try to sneak in a whiff. Nah, ah, 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 ah. 
She shoves the teacup of milagros in my face. I tilt my head back and scarf down the indigenous healings from deep in the mountains of Colombia. And I sleep. And now a bit from my interview with Juan. Juan Villa, thanks for being here yes. in the studio mm -hmm. with Thank us you. and sharing your piece from Empanada for a Dream. Woo. So we just want to know, what is the most challenging part of writing a piece like this? Mm. What, as you were putting it together, was it tough sharing these personal family stories? I, I Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's no way uh, around that. I mean, I did it out of necessity, mm. like emotional necessity. So, um, uh, and I've told some of these stories, like, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, uh, when I hit, when I hit a wall writing wise, I tried to, it was sometimes pillow talk, you know, mm -hmm. um, what sharing with something that I, someone I trust. Um, sometimes it was, uh, bar stories, uh, where I'm just like telling a random story of my family. So it, oral storytelling is like mm -hmm. the, more, yeah. the most natural way for me to do it. And, um, but I did hit a wall. I remember because April of 2012, I had the workshop production. And in February, uh, I just sort of was stuck. Mm. And um, I wrote, I ended up trying, making myself, because I knew something was going on in the back of my head. <clears throat> like subconsciously, my psyche was like, no, no, you will not deal with this. You will not face this. And so I wrote down like my three biggest fears uh, uh if i do this because it was the first time i was it was like as a producer as a creator not just an actor when i'm telling someone else's story someone else's words mm -hmm. and so i um the three fears were that if um friends saw it they would be embarrassed and they would not want to be my friend anymore that mm -hmm. was a fear uh that colleagues would see it so in the theater community and I would be blacklisted, and mm. because people would be like, "What the hell is wrong with that guy? <laughs> uh, we cannot, we cannot work with him or hire him ever." And then the third one was that my family would disown me. Yeah. Those are the three fears I realized were the big ones. And so I sort of reflected on it, and I, I, I realized if all three of those things come true, do, is it still important for you to tell that? Continue telling the story. Wow! And everything in me, like every cell in me, was said, yeah, you have to do it. If all that stuff happens, like, it's okay because it's that important for me and I'm doing it from from love. Hmm. Like, honestly, it was uh, love. I, I get caught off guard sometimes that people um, think that uh, it's a bad version of my family and I say, well, you go digging deep in your own family, you'll you'll find something hmm. and uh, and there are other things that I don't talk about. Yeah. Hmm. That might not paint the best picture of my family and yeah. that's already i'm sharing some things but i'm also sharing some of the beautiful qualities about right. them mm -hmm. so um yeah and uh, uh it's been a while since i've performed it but now that i've had some more time away from it because for a while it was like happening a lot mm -hmm. in la and chicago and uh and in new york and um i realized uh it took a lot out of me hmm. like it took a lot emotionally out of me but i didn't I was just doing it. I was just doing it, doing it, doing it, and not taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there, 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 there is something 
to that. You know, the, and the more per, it's so personal, it's my life that right. there's no way I can hide from it. Right. If it was someone else's play, then I think things come up, but at least I can sort of de- decompartmentalize and just be like, right. all right, you're over here. And this is where you are. Right. So whenever I start doing it again, it's going to be uh, interesting doing that, especially sober. Like that'll be that'll be interesting. Huh? Yeah, to do it because I've, I've technically no, I did it a year ago, I guess, without, and I was sober then. But for a run, it'll be interesting to to see. Yeah, hmm. what comes up? Yeah. Oh yeah. Has your family seen it? Yeah, I mean it's the it's the classic. I was hoping. The version, the movie version is that, you know, I'm struggling, I'm having a tough time telling these stories, I'm figuring things out. Yeah. And then, you know, on Broadway, opening night, <laughs> my family gets to watch it and they're just like, oh my God, they're overwhelmed. Yeah. Because I, I don't know if you've seen Freak, John Leguizamo's Freak, it's, it, it, it comes up at the end, his father is seeing him. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a heartbreaking scene, but it's a beautiful scene. Mm-hmm. So this, ver- in real life, the way, <laughs> the way it was. not fantasy. So what happened was... What, what, <laughs> what happened was the first workshop performance, it, it, and to my family, that means nothing. Right. Huh, like, yeah. they're just like, they're workshop? Like, what is it? You know, okay, vamos estar ahí. Like, yo voy a cocinar empanadas. My mom was so happy oh. to just cook food, uh, empanadas specifically. And so her, my two sisters, my brother, my niece, oh. uh, and they were there the first performance. The wow. script is not nowhere near done. There were changes that, from that first performance that there were the big changes that were made. But they were there in the front, small space, 45 seats, hmm. and I was scared out of my mind. And I had to, like, kind of, because uh, I was really scared, because uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm talking about her, my mom's brothers, Ooh. you know, her sisters. And so. Right. It was like the first time I like all like it makes sense. Like, mm. Oh my god, this is a bigger deal. Uh, it's not just my story, mm. and I had to look at it as a, it was an intervention for my family because they're literally right there. Wow. So there's I had to like do that so I can not kind of screw myself over in my head. Mm-hmm. And they they I did it. Then it was like I just forgot. I you know I go on stage and then I it's over. It's like oh yeah, my mom's here, and um, uh, I was very nervous. Uh, and they, my family was huddled together while everyone else is eating. My my, my pack of uh, families just chilling together, huddled around my mom. And um, I was like, "Okay, ma, come. ¿Qué piensas? Like, what did you think?" She's like, "Oh, the only thing I problem that I have is that that story, which is the piece we just heard about, you know, that your stomach. And then I gave you a drink. Uh, that wasn't my idea. It was your aunt's idea." Ah! She starts laughing <laughs> and laughing. That's, that's the only thing. She that's just said it wasn't awesome. her idea. She's like, I dispute that. It was your aunt. It was Tia Marta. She's the one who said, fine, I'm going to tell him to shut up because he keeps crying. So I'm going to give him something and you'll see what it is. And uh, so that – and then um, actually then it was kind of hard after that. We uh, hmm. it, it, This is 2012. So it was f- at this point five years ago. And it, there was a rift that was created because – uh, my grandmother refused to see it. Mm-hmm. She said, el pasado es el pasado. Right. No queremos, which is the past of the past. No queremos dis- disturbir los muertos, disturb the dead. Mm. And um, and uh, my siblings, like we just had a little bit, you know, I did put a lot of stuff out there that mm. I realized I didn't really talk about mm-hmm. ah. with them. Okay. So it's like, oh, you're gone. For about at that time, fourteen years, mm-hmm. he's gonna show up and 
this. Like, like our family all black. Why don't yeah. Why don't you talk to us about it? Sure. We didn't know you were this and you were that and the other. And uh, my mom's sixtieth birthday um, was that summer, and so we had there was a bit of a confrontation mm. uh, that night. But um, but since it's been good. Oh, that's great. It took it took that happening for us to sort of. You know, you put yeah, you put it on blast, and it's like not just in front of everyone, but it's like to each other, and, right. and um, some difficult conversations were able to be had. And mm-hmm. here, here we are, five years later, and I mean, I'm back in town, and it's it's kind of beautiful, like mm-hmm. the difference. So, I, but I always trusted that, it, like I said earlier, it was coming from love that mm-hmm. my friends, colleagues, family would understand, um, even if it did, even if it did badly, like if it was like a horrible show, let's say. Um, it's like they'll be like, "Cool, you got it out of your system, man." Like, it makes you happy to perform that show. That is not my <laughs> cup of tea, but right. whatever, it's important right. for you. Which right. is the way I feel about it. anyways. Like, right. hey, man, it might not be my cup of tea, but you do what you got to do to right. uh, I hear that. to to do your thing. So, um, so along with that, what advice would you have for other actors that are looking to make that leap, like you did, from acting other people's material to? writing their own piece, whether it be a one-man show or anything, just that process of producing and really taking on that hat of, like, I'm stepping out in the world with something that I created for the first time, making that transition from acting to creator, content creator. Mm. What advice do you have? I would say just start by doing it. I mean, Mm. that's always going to be the big thing. Uh, And what is the thing that will that you have to what is the thing that scares you the most scares you the most and excites you the most like okay. the, i think there's a fine line between fear and excitement mm-hmm. you know there's a fine line and both both uh, should be happening and start generating it um like i mentioned oral storytellers that's how i did a lot of uh the stories and i just transcribed it Wow. Uh, I took a class, April Yvette Thompson, and it was a storytelling workshop. And like two two or three of those stories that are the strong parts of the story are from her class. Yeah. And so record those stories, hmm. you know, and at least you did it that way. Uh, I would say have the have a group, three or four people that you trust, hmm. that you can share things and fail, you know, where it's like – 80 pages long and it's like oh my god but you have your friends who are going to sit there with you bring stuff that make you happy like uh wine pizza Mm -hmm. uh, burgers whatever and just eat and just talk about what's going on because i do believe as artists um we i don't know aligning the chakras or the circles whatever it is that um uh if you don't own the stories that are yours then Mm. we're not fully connected Mm. like i think we try to find a way to connect with what's really all about us in some of the plays that we are, are, but it's someone else's story. I think to really own your ability, your temperaments, um, your, your emotional cords, writing your own story is the way to go. And, uh, and it makes everything else not as scary in a way. Mm. So what do you mean? Because you put yourself out there. Like some people will say, Oh, I'm afraid of being naked, Mm. physically naked on stage. And I, I've been done that. And to be like emotionally naked with your story like you mentioning it, putting it on blast and with my family right, right there and they've repeatedly seen the show. They come back to see it. Oh, They're so always great. asking about it. But that to do that, uh, I think that's a little bit scarier. And if you can get through that, I think you just have ownership mm. of your story. You own your story more. Mm. Um, 
So just get that group of people, start writing it, uh, and and just put it out there. There's plenty of residencies and places you can just do a reading of it or something like that. But um, that's 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 what I that's what I would say. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Juan Villa for letting me slice and dice this play for Include This Podcast. I really hope it inspires other actors to go out there and write their own stuff. Do it, people. Our show is recorded at CDM Studios in New York, New York. Please don't forget, subscribe to Include This Podcast if you haven't already done it. Rate and review us. It is so awesome when you do that. It really helps the show be successful. So thank you so much for listening. Until next time, stay encouraged, keep making art, and don't take no shit. See you next time.